Welcome to Grit and Gravitas with Anne and Annie, bringing you savvy, spirited stories of success. We're excited to deliver 30 minutes of inspiration, impact, and goodness. We'll be bringing you guests and friends from around the country who have very special work and personal journeys. I'm Ann Dieter Gallagher, your co-host with Annie Carnathan, and this is Grit and Gravitas. Let's go. Annie Carnathan, here we are in the studio. It is actually the best day of our month when we uh, gather and meet. The energy uh, is amazing. We have a special guest today. So we're we're back on remote and we flip-flop. We've, we've had several remotes. So that's a benefit <laughs> of the of technology and the pandemic, one of the rare benefits. We're so thrilled to get this guest. <laughs> yes. All the way, met, met Rachel in California, and I'll just say just a quick little bit about that because it's important for everyone to know that. Uh, but just absolutely thrilled. Like Rachel's somebody that I had an immediate chemistry with. Yeah, I made a beeline out of there to go meet her in person and tell her how fabulous she is. <laughs> and it's just so thrilling. There's your PR, when... <laughs> Rachel. There, we're, yeah. we're, we're starting off, you know, at that warp speed there so i think annie texted me after she heard your keynote like okay this is that we have to get rachel on our uh podcast and of course uh with my compliant nature i said absolutely <laughs> so uh we did some research we're excited i'm excited to meet another book author congratulations on that Thank uh you. success without apology as annie said we're um really the foundation of the podcast is to shorten the learning curves of women and that's uh, women who are at different parts in their career, in different parts of their personal, personal and professional life. Um, you know, I uh, worked full time, then off ramp to have three sons and just kept, you know, a half of a foot in, in the business world and then on ramped again at my own version of Warp Speed. And Annie has a totally different story and you have an entirely different journey. But the commonality I know is doing what we can to lift women up and advocate for them and be a sponsor so they don't need to experience some of the same setbacks that we had. So welcome to Grit and Gravitas. Give us just a little background, you know, maybe why you wrote Success Without Apology. Sure. Well, Ann and Annie, thank you so much for having me first and foremost. And thanks Absolutely. for, you know, just uh, perpetuating this message, right? That women have a version of success and it if we can help somebody um, by sharing some of our experiences, our wins or our losses, right? Uh, then that helps all of us, right? So thanks for what you're doing and thanks for having me. And so with that, uh, I'm Rachel Milo. I live in Shawnee, Oklahoma. I have traveled the world. I've lived in a lot of places, but this tends to continue to be home base. And really the, the book came at a time in life where um, you know, my, my version of success just didn't look like anybody else's. And quite frankly, there were some people who wanted me to apologize for that, or they wanted me to do it differently. And I'm sitting in a board meeting in New York City, uh, just off of Madison Avenue. I'm, I'm doing my thing called success. I'm doing my thing called winning. <laughs> um, and I have a gentleman just basically say, you'll never be one of my executives. And 
And I was like, but I'm qualified and I hit numbers and I do the things. And he's like, yeah, but you don't do it the way we do it. And, and that was the message, right? The message yeah. was, you don't have a second house at Montauk and you don't go to the men's club and you're not a part of the Yale club. And because you don't do that the way we do it, you're not welcome. And it really resonated in a thousand ways. And over the next three to six months, I continued to kind of see the difference in how we deliver that message. Yeah. I don't think anybody's giving anybody permission. And so that's what led well, to let me, taking a book. Let me uh, expand on something you said really important, which would be like our first business vitamin. Um, your version of success does not have to look like anybody else. I mean, there is a peer pressure going on, you know, for everyone, but I would say, you know, I feel it sometimes too, especially when I started my business of maybe my version needs to look like Annie's and mm -hmm. it isn't, it's, it's entirely opposite. And what you discovered, you know, running up against people who had an expectation of you, I think it's, it's good to remind women you can be you know, a, a lone version of your success. And that's, that's what you should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of messaging about you, you, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, and I think we have to actually change a right. little bit of that mindset, right? Which is I, maybe I've never seen anything Good. like it and that doesn't mean that it's bad. And so really that's the underlying message right. of the 10 commandments of success without apology is that I just kind of lay out like 10 things that I felt like women tend to face and have to apologize right. for their version of it. And, um, and so to some degree, I'm just giving people permission to, to be different. And, and, and everyone, those 10 commandments are 10 business vitamins. Right, right. And I didn't just share that with other women. I shared it with my leadership team. Ooh. Here's the thing that I question, Rachel. The fact that women, almost every other statement, some women, they're apologizing. And my question to you is, we're, we're very different from men. We can all agree. We can all agree on that. Is, is a woman in, in a man's business world or even in a man's world really sort of swimming upstream all the time? Are, are we built to be counterintuitive? We're nurturers. We want to take care of people. Women largely want to conform. Women largely don't want to be that outlier. And so you are, and I am, and Anne is, but do women inherently have to recognize that first and the discomfort in that to get to their best life? So I think that's a complex statement that also has a lot of stereotypes in it and societal right. stereotypes, if you will. And so just kind of to back up is... Um, do we accept that we're different? Absolutely. I do. I'm all in. Like, I do think we're very different. We have management styles that are different. We have nurturing right. styles that are different. But I would also say that both men and women are swimming upstream in figuring out how both are welcome. And it's not because men Good point. want Good it point. their That's way a great point. and women don't and want it a different way. It's just that even 
policies and processes and procedures within the work culture have only seen one way. And so I think both men and women are trying to figure out how both are work, work at work. And so this idea right. of a, um, you know, a corner office gentleman that barks orders out was something that both men and women only saw for a long time. And so now I have peers that had only seen that in all of their management. And so what right. does it look like now that the CEO sits in the middle of the huddle room on a bouncy ball? What does that look like? <laughs> right? And so yeah. I spent 10 years in digital media and those are like real conversations that, you know, now a CEO may actually be taking the 10 o'clock break playing ping pong in the middle of the office. That's a new normal that's uncomfortable for all of us, but that's a nurturing CEO, mm -hmm. right? Male or female. Now, I think female, uh, females demonstrate it more visually, uh, maybe are more natural at it because what we have seen modeled for us looks like that. And so it's right. may or may not be I mean, it's a nature nurture, right? And so we've been nurtured to be that way. Right. They've been nurtured to be this way. And so there's this, there's this reckoning, if you will, right now, which is like how much if that is nurture and nature. And when we nurture both in the workplace, it, it could be just as easy for men. It could be just as easy for women. We just don't know until we're exposed yeah. to it sometimes. But, but. But is it up to women, Rachel, to find that commonality in a male leader who is willing to amplify us, promote mm -hmm. us, and put us into that C-suite or corner oh, for office? Sure. For instance, you're opening that, that CEO wasn't willing at all right. to consider you. For sure. For sure. Solely because you're, you're a woman and not in the boys club. So how... How do we be directional to find men who are going to find that commonality? You mm -hmm. make great points, right? Yeah. That, 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 that we can all figure it out. How do yeah. we find those advocates? Yeah, you're right. So as long as, you know, 80% of the men, you know, are still running the Fortune 500 companies, and as long as a lot of those roles are still males, we, you're absolutely right. We can't do it without a man that decides to wave that flag without a doubt. And so I do think they're available. I think what, what I have seen in my career is that I had to learn things how to do it the boys way so that I could get invited into the boys club to make the difference to break right. down the boys club, if you will. Right. So in my twenties, I was like, Oh, so if I want a male to mentor me, I have to figure out where they hang out and what they do and how they do that which led to learning how to play golf, right? I'd never swung right, anything right. in my life, any sort of club. I played basketball, <laughs> track, but I'd never swung anything. And I was like, but really, if I want the four or five hours of mentorship with the leadership, I have to figure out how to play golf. And so right. I had to learn to do their things. I think what we've seen now is that I can also now set um, agendas and meetings where they have to learn how to do my things. Right. And so I think that's been <laughs> the fun, right. Of advancing, but 
it was some of that time I spent with males learning how to use their language to accomplish my goals. And so, um, right. Right. That has evolved so much. Right. So I would say 20 years ago in one of my professions, which I'm sure you'll introduce here in a little bit, but one of my professions, it was all males and we were expected to show up like a male to be equal. We needed to speak like men did carry ourselves like men did borderline on that B word to be accepted. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel like today that is the expectation of the females. I think the pendulum has actually swung dramatically, but I think that was also part of the natural evolution to get us to equality was we had to fit in so that then we could stand out. And it's, it's still in motion, right? I mean, this, this is still in motion to where I'm now an executive that is allowed to emote and dance and love and it doesn't make me dumb right (laughs) right and so because i have all those emotions it doesn't make me less of an expert or less knowledgeable um but that didn't used to be that way and so i think men have allowed me to be in a boardroom and become who i truly am that then made me equal and then when i could become a leader I can do that for others. And I think women are still having a hard time figuring out how to then pass it forward as well. Because we came from a place of scarcity. Oh my God, I'm going to be the only woman that's in here. I better do it right. I better protect that. I can't put my name out for anybody else because it may jeopardize my one shot. And we lived in this place of scarcity. I think there are people now like you two and myself who are like, no, I'm not going to be the last one (laughs) and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to, to reach and to pull and to support and take risk on people that are even doing it ways that I'm not comfortable (laughs) with. Right. I couldn't have done it that way. And it looks a little different and scary to me, but it's okay. There's room for more of us now. And I think that's important to know that it's still in motion. Very much so in motion. And I think too, like back just to one point, Rachel, the fact that you do do things differently doesn't lessen the impact of your effectiveness, your messaging, your, your ability to lead and just the spontaneity and the passion to have the confidence as a leader to just be different. And again, know that it's not a fatal flaw that Mm -hmm. we can set back, come back, and to your point, help other women along the way. Strong women, leaders, don't impact us from an effective standpoint. We're not any less effective because we're helping women. I think, if anything, it empowers us more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So the ability to go your own way which Rachel truly has. Right. right. Um, and again, back to those 10 commandments, those are 10 business vitamins. I think um, you make some good points, Rachel, and I do feel the pendulum has swung. You know, I started my own business in the year 2000, so it doesn't look remotely, you know, the, the business environment that we're in now. Even since 
to uh, 2020 since mm-hmm. the pandemic has mm-hmm. has flipped on its head. But um, because because I started my own business, so I I set the rules. I'm, yes. I'm not listening. You know, I'm not asking permission. Um, and then navigating the boards that you go after. Annie and I just, uh, had the opportunity to speak at our alma mater yesterday to, you know, a a room full of young, bright, curious, uh, college students in communications, journalism, PR, uh, in that department. And one of the messages we said that you have to create and write your brand story, your personal brand story. No one's, you know, Rachel, Ann, and Annie are not going to give you your story and give you permission to do A, B, or C. You've got to, you know, come to the marketplace with your own rocket fuel, and we are happy to open doors, but we can't write that for you, you know. Um, So just challenging them to start taking on that level of responsibility. If you want a board seat, that can certainly happen, but don't expect someone, you know, to knock on your door and give it to you. You got to figure out what is my path? Like, where do I want to have a voice? At least that's my experience. And and make that list of three boards you want to sit on, three CEOs that you really want to be in their circle. And it might, I took up golf for the very same reason you did. You know, uh, not, I mean, I love the outfits, but I said, if I'm, (laughs) if I'm going to, where could you find four hours with a team of executives, right? Which are almost all male and they want the women, you know, at all these golf events, they, they were looking for another woman who could raise their hand. You know, I don't like to look stupid doing anything. So I had to do some practice. Yeah, I don't want to look like a dope uh, yeah. out there and swinging and missing. You know, that's my own personal uh, hang up. But I thought, you know, this is where they're at. And and this is, you know, this is where sponsorship dollars are going. I'm going to learn to play golf. That's right. I want to pivot just a second, Rachel. And I don't know if this is what you, you thought we would touch on. But a uh, little known fact about Rachel. She was a Division One yes. basketball <laughs> referee. And being very, very big fan of basketball, high basketball IQ, just covet the sport. And I'll tell you, and I said this to Rachel, you have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh. You're in the midst of conflict. Half, as Rachel said, half the people are just disgusted (laughs) with you. And now- You probably have stories to tell about your experience. It's so vocal and it's so volatile and so- it, it just brings me, though, Rachel, to clearly to do that effectively. And you were very, very good. How did you get comfortable managing that conflict? Yep. You're making decisions in a split second. Certainly in what you said, there are things you would have done different. You're human. Sure. So what makes women more comfortable with conflict? Oh, my goodness. I mean... Comfort with <laughs> that could be its own podcast too. <laughs> really, its own podcast. I love this discussion so much, and I have this conversation um, with every team that I lead, which is how do you become comfortable with conflict? Right. And at well, what point do you recognize that conflict creates deep relationships? Yes. Oh, wait, that's a business fight. Yes. Because right generally, I. Mean, uh, uh, yeah, I I don't love conflict, but that's a good business vitamin to to switch my own thinking about it. That there is an opportunity uh, to create deeper relationships. 
You know, one of the very first podcast recordings I did was a, with a woman that I met um, while I was in digital media and she was the customer and honestly, she was really difficult to please. And so my team always dreaded getting on the phone with her. I mean, she was just a <laughs> tough negotiator. She was very matter of fact. She was a digital media buyer, which they are just like a breed of their own. And they play a poker hand like nobody I've ever seen. And we had messed up. And so we had messed up a delivery. And this call was just not going to be good. And so I take this phone call. And by the end of this phone call, I mean, we still weren't good when it was over. We, we still The delivery was still not any better at the end of the call. But I had made a real business friend. And from that okay. moment forward... Good we were just really able to talk so much more candidly about so many more things because we'd had to get in the soup on something really right. difficult. And, you know, I feel like men have done that a lot better than us historically. And so when we can learn how to let people emote, express, and move on, it is so good. It is so healthy. And so in yeah. officiating, we have to do that instantaneously, right? You know, I spend 40 minutes allowing these two people tell me how terrible and awful I am as a human and <laughs> go home and come back and see them in two weeks and shake their hand and say, Hey, how's the family? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, you don't have the ability to hold a grudge because the next play happens. So you can't sit in that one. Right. When the game of basketball moves right. so quickly. That's a good and, point. Good and point. we're making so many decisions. You, you don't get to just sit in it, right? And so that has actually been probably one of the greatest um, training techniques that I've had now in business is just to walk right into conflict. And um, when I go to these conferences and, and they'll you know say, you know, does anybody here like conflict? And I, of course, I don't want to raise my hand because I don't want to be the idiot, but I'm like, yeah. I love it. This is like the best. <laughs> but that's um, such a good perspective. Sorry, I'm not, not sorry. I've not heard of that before, that perspective. You know, when you can have, so, um, yeah. you know, the book Crucial Conversations is a great, great book. But it really kind of, again, continues this, this dialogue that if you can enter into conflict and resolve it, you'll come out so much closer. And so that is really a great lesson. Maybe the next book is the 10 lessons I learned as a referee to become a manager, right? Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm there. Send me an advanced copy. But, but back to that, Rachel. So if you had to recall that call, because we all have people like that, I would say one of my most important partners that changed the trajectory of our company and me um, is that person. Tough. Yeah. Right. You better yeah. prepare. You better get ready. But what is it about what you did in that call? How did mm. you approach it? And what do yeah. you think was if it's like one thing, two thing, three things, what was essential about going into that conflict with arms wide yeah. open? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think just the vulnerability of that Mm -hmm. as a human being is extraordinarily impactful. But mm -hmm. what do you think she appreciated about how you approach that? Good point. Sure. You know, I think 
probably the first and foremost um, going into that was um, to be honest, right? I mean, you need to be honest that you know you've made a mistake, right? You'd be honest um, in, in how you deliver that information. I think the second thing um, is also to hear them, right? To listen. You know, there's nothing there's nothing a coach wants more than to actually let be known that you hurt them, right? You can't stand right. there and just ignore them. I mean, they can bark the whole time, but you can't just ignore them. So there has to be some acknowledgement that like, I hear you, tell me what you see, right? It's the same thing with Annalise in this call, which was like, okay, tell me what you're feeling, right? Tell me your thoughts. And, and empathize with the fact that like, yes, if the shoe were on the other foot, I would feel that way, right? And so I think we listen, I think we are honest, and I think we empathize. And then the best, you know, business nugget for all of us is then also, what do we want coming out of this, right? So what's our takeaway, our walk away, our action item? And so, you know, most conflict, you can, you can do that with, you know, those four steps, right? If we can enter into that conversation prepared to listen, um, prepared to tell the truth, prepared to empathize, and then prepared to state how we're going to move forward. And um, I think that's really kind of a model we can use in our marriages, in in business conflict, in um, talking to the boss, right? That, that we need to have that conversation, which is, you know, here's where I am. Here's what I've done right or wrong. Let's be honest. Tell me what your thoughts are on this, and then how do we move forward? Um, and so I, I'd say it probably boils Good. down to those principles. And the and the transparency of that is is to me what illuminates the outcome, mm. because to move forward it it may look different. Sure. In in terms of that engagement, mm -hmm. and and what and and for me, Rachel, I'm now just trying to find like people, right? Mm -hmm. As, especially for, for partners with our company right. that hold those same values because true deep relationships better have conflict. That's right. Or they're not deep and they're not meaningful. They're surface. Yeah. And yeah. we can only pretend to be someone for so long till we're not authentic and it doesn't work. And I think the other so thing So I is think for women, that. right, Rachel? Yeah. We, we will make mistakes in those relationships too, right? We, we have to right. know that it won't all be, you know, rainbows and butterflies. We are going to mess up. But if I can know you well enough to know your intention, then I can also know that you may have messed up without an intention to harm me. And so once we can get to that place right. in a relationship, I can trust that even when you make a mistake, it your intention would have been right. I judge intention. I, I absolutely do. And that, that sort of forms and focuses everything about how I'm articulating. Cause guess what, Rachel, we all need to remember the other person in the relationship isn't perfect either. Mm -hmm. And if I could tell you the amount of time I've saved other people's bacon. Okay. Right. That's it. Cause they're mm -hmm. not perfect either. We're, we're, we're perfectly imperfect together. Yeah. And that's why a relationship works. Mm -hmm. So Rachel, I want to uh, follow up with one question. Something you said resonated with me, which is what you, the skills you had to put to use as a basketball referee, you said, <laughs> don't sit in it. 
you don't have mm-hmm. time. I'll just raise my hand. I sit in a lot of things that I don't, you know, I've got three sons and a fabulous husband. They don't sit in very much. They're like, you know, they did it. Okay. Embrace it. Get over it. You know? And I think that's a good uh, business vitamin for us to remember. And maybe any tips for younger women coming into the workplace, if, if they struggle with that, it could be younger. I mean, it could be uh, men too. How do you, I mean, it's time as a referee that forces you not to sit in it, but do you struggle with that in business? How do you apply that to the business world? Yes. And I'll just tell you, um, it has also been considered sometimes my fault in the sense that I don't sit in it. Right. Okay. And so some people need you to sit in it a little longer than me. I'm like, your husband's son. So I'm like, okay, done. Now, how do we solve yeah. it? Move on. It's like, it never Let's happened. Move but on. I- you know, my husband will be like, Rachel, you need to write some of these things down because you just even forgot that it happened. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's right. He's right. right. <laughs> um, you know, it is it is um, a little bit of time and experience, right? Because, you know, the thing that you learn as a referee is the very first time you see a play happen the way that it unfolds, you have to react, right? Like you have to go, yeah. oh, that that and here's an answer. The third, the fifth, the hundredth time you've seen the play, then you know this is going to happen. You can pretty much yeah. anticipate the result, and then you can take an action. It's not a reaction. So I think the same thing yeah. is in the business world, right? So once you see scenarios happen, you've seen this unfold, now you don't have to just give this immediate reaction or this emotional reaction. You give a predicted action in response to it, right? And so there's this little bit of like, oh, I know how this goes. I don't have to worry about it, fret about it, and sit in it. This is what we do next. And now we take this right. action and we move on. It's not the end of the world. You know, I think um, I think our millennials especially carry, carry a, a deeper burden and a sense of heaviness to life than I think my generation. I'm a Gen Xer. That's, you know, a, Gen good, Xers, yeah, that's a good point. You know, we, we kind of were like, Hey, we're going to live life. We're going to, we're going to have this, we created work-life <laughs> balance as a, as an idea. We're like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> my God, right. Um, and I think our millennials, um, you know, as they were graduating high school, they felt like the decision they made for college was their lifelong sentence on life. Um, and they just had this Agree. much heavier sense of every decision being life-changing. And I think the message you gave yesterday, which was like, you know, nothing's life or death is a decision. I, I yeah. think that's much bigger than just rhetoric right now. I, I believe millennials genuinely believe every decision has this lifelong consequence. And so I think I think Gen Xers and, and us, we have to continue to to model for them that remember this path that you've never seen before. It's because we took some risks, we took some curves, it's been windy and no one decision got me from there to here. It's this collection right. of lots of decisions, right and wrong, good and bad. Right. And they're all right. part of it. And so um, I think it's more than just sitting in it. Like you and I may sit in it a little bit, but I actually think this next generation, um, 
is sitting in it really internally and emotionally and sentimentally and mentally. And so whatever we can message to them that th this one decision um, isn't, isn't the only one you'll make. Right. And, and there's a, there's such a great path ahead and, and take whichever one. Well, that's, yeah, fits you. Totally agree. And we tried to share that with the students yesterday is the, the sense of adventure and opportunity for discovery and curiosity that we are welcoming in the workplace now. Yeah. And so to your point, the longer you sit in something, it robs you of that emotional energy for you to go ahead and think up new ideas or sit at a different table and, and uh, be collaborative with a different team. If you're so um, anchored down in what happened. Um, and again, that's, mm -hmm. that's probably- Or weighed down. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. probably a lifelong, <clears throat> you know, uh, learning process for me. <clears throat> but I can see yeah. how I work best creatively when I'm free, you know, of, uh, I try to live by the 87 rule now. If I'm not gonna remember it when I'm 87, then <laughs> I, I, can't, <clears throat> I can't sit in it any longer. I, I have to tell you, Rachel, days. from the second I, yeah. When I met you, I couldn't wait for this. And now I feel like it's 30 minutes and we <laughs> like, what? See like, what we like, mean? I know. 27 this is... And honestly, I just, I cannot tell you there is, there's chemistry, right? There's, there's people you meet along the journey, you collect people and just for you to have had. And so just real quickly, a conference in Las Vegas, and a conference, right? You have to choose where you're going because there's always something you can't make. You can't be in two places at one time. And, uh, and I have to be very glad. I had no idea what I was walking into with you. I knew it was a keynote. I knew it was a woman, but I said, there's a key. And I, and I walked in and, and that's exactly what life is about. It's, it's engaging. Um, I, I could have stayed out in the hallway and worked or whatever, but that, and then, and then how welcoming and arms open you were. And, and, and honestly, if, if we can ever help you, if you, we think you coming on again would help some, this has been amazing, right? Mm -hmm. For me really has especially moved me. Not that they all haven't, but I just think what we're doing is part of our life's work. Right. And so I just want to thank you profusely because we ask you for half an hour and it's been half an hour. And I just, I can't thank you enough yeah, <laughs> like this. I know. Ah, fan, Rachel, I am so fangirling. I just have to tell you, it's really just not like, um, I don't want to say I'm not impressed. I am, but this has just been really amazing. So thank you. And honestly, if we can return the favor, if there's ever anything we can do, if there's a Zoom where we can talk to a group you have or whatever right. we can do to help you, we would love to do that. Rachel, how can the Grit and Gravitas uh, fans find you? So to rachelmilo.com. Yep. What, what I tell you, Rachel for Milo. That's how I'm going to remember her. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel for, for Milo. Milo. That's right. Yes. That's right. So okay, um, where can we find you? Yes, you can Google my name, Rachel Milo. That'll get you kind of to all the places, but LinkedIn is a great way to connect. So you kind of can see what's Good. happening and you know, where we're traveling and where we're speaking. Um, you can get my book uh, at rachelmilo.com or successwithoutapology.com. Yes. yes. I'm on all the social here. platforms, uh, you know, spending the 10 years in digital media. I've got, you know, all the, all the places have all the handles, but they're all tied to my name. Or you can usually find me by Miss miss referee so ms referee oh um, good is a lot of my other handles and you know grit and gravitas people this is what i would say is like chart your journey 
and then and then write it down somewhere because you may not recognize today how unique where you've been is and will be to tell your story to somebody else. And so great reminder, each of you have your own Rachel Milo story, right? Each of you have your own way of kind of doing success differently. Um, and so, so capture it and set it aside. And maybe one day, you know, you're going to be on this podcast telling your story about how you did it differently and better and, and, and what, what nuggets and, and business vitamins you can pass along to the next gen. So I thank you guys so much for having me. I agree. It was so great to meet you at the conference. I've met so many wonderful women there. Actually, I met a lot of great men. Right. Uh, when I went back to sign my book, the first yep, three right. people in line were men, and they each had two copies of the book. Awesome. And I need one for my wife, and I need <laughs> one for my daughter, and they were so stoked. Um, awesome. And so whatever we're doing, it, it, it matters, and it's making a difference. Um, I saw a study this morning, um, you know, the, the women who are becoming the breadwinners in the home over the last decade has tripled. And so um, wow. we're making a difference. We're making a difference. And so it takes all of us working together. And just thanks. Thank you guys so much for spending a half hour with me. You're an inspiration, inspiration, oh, Rachel. Thank we, you, we Rachel. We appreciate you taking the time out to share your story uh, with our friends and fans too. Be well, my friend. Take care. Have a high dear day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening. It's our desire that these stories will bring energy, ideas, and fresh thinking that you can use today. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram and have a high gear day.